This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live, giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Blue, White and Yellow. Uh, We're getting into the flow of things now. I think we're on episode eight or nine, something like that. I think it is something, yeah. Um, But yeah, we're we're moving on well. Um, I'm joined by Joe and Beren, your Leeds United writers. I think it's it's pretty key that we touch on uh, another Leeds United legend lost this week. Terry Cooper, 77 years of age, and it, it just seems... Only a couple of weeks ago, me and Joe Mewis, and I think you were here as well, Baron, just talking about Mick Bates. And there's so many now in the past two years, Hunter, Charlton, Fotherby, obviously we had Zaliukas as well. It's so sad, isn't it? And and, and another absolute hero of, of the Revy era lost there. Yeah, it's um, it's been a horrendous period of time for the football club. Whilst um, whilst everything's going brilliantly on the pitch, off the pitch, it's been it's been it's been there's no words for it. It's just been an absolutely tragic period of time, um, and you just you could never have predicted this for them for them all to die so close together. It's just it's just so so sad, and and for those that they're leaving behind, it's um, it's too much to bear. Really, I know that Eddie Eddie Gray is the obvious the obvious man that we all turn to and, and think about because he's obviously been the most highest profile of the of the Revy boys in recent years. He obviously um, had much more of a connection with the club than, than some of the others have in, in recent times, and. He, of course, is somebody that is is happy to to speak to the media and, and go on camera when when he does lose his old friends and his his brothers in arms. And um, I, I just it's just too much for one person to take. I think um, it's just truly, truly horrible. Um, I think the only yeah, I think the only way we can look forward is to, is to hope that there is some kind of commemoration or. or um, memorial in some way it's very very hard to do any of these people justice um but i think we've got to have the sort of best effort that we can and you know the club haven't really addressed it publicly or officially but i would be amazed if they're not looking at doing something at ellen road when the place is full i know they had the chance against west brom but i think with the stadium you know barely what was it five or six thousand i've I've forgotten already how many were in there but it was a scratching the surface really of what, what ellen road should be so i'm sure that that they will be looking at something they can do um, to remember them all. The trouble is you want to give them all uh, the, the just the sort of moral that they deserve. And it's very easy just to kind of do one big service and just list all the names. But it, it's, it's just, there's just so much history in all of these, 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 these men that are, that are passing on and, and, and how much they've done for the football club. And you see in the, in the messages from, from people older than us, you know, obviously none of us were around when, when they were playing. But you see some of the messages and the way people talk about people like Terry Cooper, and it is—it's amazing to kind of think how good they were. And of course, none of us have any real understanding of that because it's impossible for us to know because we weren't around at the time and we weren't of that era. But it sounds like he was well ahead of his time and very much an attacking fullback who got forward and much in the vein of the fullbacks we see today. Um, but yeah, incredibly, incredibly sad, and just just really hope that the club can do something to commemorate these people because. We've had the Jack Charlton stand, uh, but of course we're running out of stands now. So um, they're going to have to do something, um, but we'll have to wait and see what. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, rest in peace, Terry Cooper. And and it's going to be horrible times for his family at this moment in time. So we we, we hope they get through it. Um, but with regards to more Leeds United news, uh, I mean, we had a, 
We had a signing, didn't we, Baron, last week? Uh, Christopher Clarsen has arrived from Valarenga. Uh, we know your pronunciation of Valarenga has been pretty horrific um, in Norway. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, how, how, how do you feel about that one? It's a, it's, it's a decent sort of second keeper, I guess, for, for, for Leeds United. You would presume it would be a second keeper. But are you happy with that one? Do you think Leeds needed to get that one done? I can't believe you've come at me with the pronunciation of Valarenga. Come right. on, it's not that bad. I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting the right the right noises in the right place. You got the class and pronunciation wrong as well. I just want to put that out there. So who's who's corrected you on that then? Come on, let's have it then. Well, apparently it is. To somebody in not to his parents. Yeah, well, we, thought, <laughs> we, we, saw, we saw some comments back on the video actually, and, and people actually saying that I pronounced it right. So there you go. So it's so it so the e doesn't exist. It should be an r. So they spelled yeah. it now. Yeah, yeah, or Clayson. Clayson. JD might be able to clear it up for us. I think it's Clayson. I think it's the it, the the A and the E in, in Scandinavian, in the languages in Scandinavia, obviously not lumping everybody in Scandinavia together. That would be <laughs> very, very, uh, not very good, given yeah. how, how well-supported leads are in Scandinavia. Uh, I think the A and the E pushed together uh, are, uh, are sort of an R sound yeah, together. You're, right. you're definitely right. So it's yeah, a bit yeah. like the double L in Spanish becomes a Y. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, All right, okay, I, I can take it. I can yeah, take yeah. it. I know the A and E does become a, a lovely little symbol in its own regard, doesn't it? I remember uh, Solskjaer was always the one that I remember as a kid growing up. As yeah. he had that strange ending, but he, at least he had an R on the end. You made the R sound. Go, Baron, let it go. So Christopher Clayson, um, <laughs> yeah, um, very very poorly kept secret. You know, I think uh, Valarenga were very um were very vocal weren't they they were quite happy to, to discuss things and it was widely reported in Scandinavia uh, weekend before last that he was effectively you know it was all done and he was heading to the UK and was was just quarantining before the medical which based on Saturday's announcement would have all got happened on Friday I would think so not a huge surprise I think it's very encouraging to know that, that Victor has wanted him for a long time um, that shows that this isn't a knee-jerk reaction. This isn't somebody they've just you know, gone into Y Scout and basically picked out any goalkeeper's age between 19 and 21. It's somebody they wanted for a couple of years. He was looked at at the same time as Melier, and obviously they went with Ilan at the time. So it does it does feel very exciting. I think it's going to be going to be quite nice to see two young keepers going at it. He's been quite bullish in his in his um, his first interview with LUTV. He was quite happy to name check Ilan and say, you know, "I'm here to push Ilan and I want to play." and um, it will be fascinating because I think the um, the order was kind of set in stone, wasn't it, with with Casilla by the end? Um, there was no real threat there from from Kiko getting in, and even well, as and when Marcelo did give Kiko chances, it was far from convincing. So it will be interesting to see how it how it develops. I think there's a lot of potential there. Clearly, he's, he's a young goalkeeper, as is the case with Alan, and he's not going to hit his peak for another ten years. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be some journey. Um, I'd imagine we'll see him in the 23s a little bit, in the same way we saw uh, Melier with the 23s when when he first arrived. Um, so, I mean, I think we'll get onto this, but it looks like the 23s may well uh, actually be playing in the Netherlands on uh, Wednesday. So, we're recording Tuesday. This is released Wednesday. So, whenever you're listening to this, the, the day of the Ajax game, we're expecting the 23s may well play a separate match. So, don't be surprised if we see 
classing for the first time there. Yeah, no, 100%. And I quite like that competitive element. I, I, with the experience stuff, you know, everyone always goes on about getting a, a second keeper as an experienced head. And I think I thought like that at the start. I was like, yeah, you know, Melier needs an experienced head to help and coax him through this Premier League environment, which which might get tough at some points. But I, I think I actually prefer two young goalkeepers really fighting it out for that number one jersey, JD. Yeah, I mean, I, I I hear the the arguments of oh, we need an experienced goalkeeper, we need this, we need that, we need the other. I, I think a lot of the time it is a bit of it's it's a lot of rubbish to be honest. I think it's um you know you 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 set you set your own narrative. I mean, look at look at Bielsa and the style of play. No other team who were promoted came and did that, and yet Leeds finished ninth last year. I mean, it was it was proven to be a, a successful way, and you know it was lambasted throughout the season just because Leeds have gone and got a younger goalkeeper than their extremely young first choice goalkeeper to 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 compete for that number one spot doesn't mean that that's necessarily bad doesn't mean it's necessarily good it's the way that Leeds want to go it's the way that they want to to try this so i think yeah they i mean they haven't in the past 18 months or so they haven't exactly made too many wrong recruitment decisions so i think it's one which i mean i'm 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 pleased about by all accounts from Norway's you know he's he's the future number one in waiting for the national team there so um yeah, I'm, I'm, again, it's it's another one which seems like it's a sensible move. It's they've they've done well to 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 be able to lure him to Leeds, even though there's not the offer of first team football, um, especially not at this moment in time. But I mean, there's there's obviously the opportunity that there might be in future if if Melier continues at this trajectory and, and obviously bids come in. Yeah, I did see after the Betis game a couple of tweets saying can't wait to see Clarsen because after that performance I would drop Melier. Um, so I guess that transitions us quite nicely into the Real Betis game. Um, JD, I'm going to put it to you. Are you dropping Melier after that Betis game for Klaassen straight away? No, I'm not. I'm not dropping Melier. Melier needs you, to. You sure? I mean, you sure? he's the thing is again. You know, yeah, he was at fault for the third goal, but I'd much rather he was at fault for goals in preseason friendlies than in actual competitive games. It's. I mean, he, so you're he, not he dropping him. Just for no, I'm, just for clarification, just for yeah, I'm, I'm, I will not be dropping uh, Ilan Melier for for the first game of the season because look at look at how much credit he's got in the bank after last season. He was fantastic. You know, just because this shiny new toy comes in, um, it's not right to throw him in straight away. And for what it's worth, Klassen's last few games for Valarenga weren't exactly uh, fantastic to say the least. There were a few, um, shall we say, Kiko Casilla esque, uh, maybe Ricks in him in in those final few games, which is I think. You know, there were, there were, I mean, they're young goalkeeper errors. And likewise, Melies against Betis was another young goalkeeper error. But the good thing is that the more you train, the more match, match experience you get, the more those creases get ironed out. But yeah, Melier didn't have a great game against Betis. That's, that's fine though. <laughs> Rarely do goalkeepers have 10 out of 10 performances every week and save everything at them. It's about how you react and you respond to that. And even towards the latter stage of that Betis game, he, he showed that he was, he was not resting on his laurels, not, not down in the dumps over the error. It's, yeah, it's, it's par for the course as a goalkeeper. Get him out of net, Baron. What are your thoughts? <laughs> No chance. I can't believe it. <laughs> imagine, imagine if you drop Melier and put Class on him for the first game. Can you imagine? Like, it just it just makes no sense at all. Away at Old Trafford, slight yeah, just Yeah, chuck him in. Let's chuck the kid in who's, who's <laughs> never played for the club before. He's got no idea how the system works. Let's get, let's get him playing out from the back in the most precarious position on the pitch. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. Yeah. No, no chance. Um yeah, it's, it's a friendly. Don't read too much into it. We know Melier is a very, very steady performer. We, we know he's had a few errors in his in his first season in the Prem. 
but he's a young goalkeeper. We ride it out, and I think we saw more more pros than cons from him last season. Um, Bielsa's not going to get too wrapped up, is he, in a, in a pre-season friendly? I think it's a bit of a, a non-argument. Yeah, let's not get too serious on the drop-in melee argument for uh, class and right yet. But it was a nice transition. You know, I thought it was quite a decent transition into the Betis game. JD was there. Um, overriding thoughts on, on the game. It uh, Leeds losing out 3-2. Derby beating Betis the week before. Does that mean Derby are better than Leeds? <laughs> um, I think it was very pre-season-y. It was, um, yeah. And, and also there's, there's the caveat that the before Derby played Betis, I presume that all the Betis players were celebrating Joaquin's 40th birthday, which he, he was then listed on a website as why he was absent for that game with the resaca, which in Spanish means hangover. So I'm guessing they, they were a little bit, you know, worse for wear when playing Derby. Um, but no, it's it's a pre-season game. It was very pre-season-y. Um, you know, the intensity was there, but you could tell that it was still, everybody still finding their feet, you know, um, there was a few sort of, you know, Junior Firpo playing and Patrick Bamford getting his first minutes, um, Rodrigo playing in the middle. There was a lot of, you know, uh, right, this is the first real run out that we've had as this this 11 uh, this yeah. season. Um, so, yeah, th- that's the reason why you have pre-season friendlies to iron out those creases and think, oh, actually, that wasn't too good when we played such and such. Let's not do that on the first game of the season. That's, that's the whole point. Why are teams always hung over playing Derby? That's the question, isn't it? <laughs> it happens quite regularly, doesn't it, Baron? <laughs> yeah, good one. Well, well done. Very observant. Um, <laughs> I was waiting been, for that. I was just waiting good... for a break from JD to just slip that in there. Um, yeah, I mean, you could you could ask Wayne Rooney as well. Was was he hung over in the dugout after his latest uh, latest travails? Yeah, we'd have to get into that because we're going to get, <laughs> not... get a little suited. Um, yeah, for the for the record, Wayne Rooney not accused of any wrongdoing. Uh, he's in the clay. He's a very, very good and honest man. Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, once again, We, I think it's it's key to note uh, for, for, for Leeds fans not to be having meltdowns about losing to Real Betis. Real Betis, who I believe, JD, unless you, you correct me on this, finished sixth last year. Um, yep. they look they look very good They're, for me I, you know I was watching them a lot of slick um, interchanging you know a very cohesive unit they look very good on the ball as well and it was a real test for Leeds it was a real test and I think sometimes people forget the fact that Leeds were only promoted last season and Betis have been a mainstay in La Liga now for, for however many years so it was a it was a good test for our lads wasn't it? Yeah, and at the end of the day, two goals were still scored. Um, you know, the three goals I think that, that were conceded were avoidable. But I mean, the fact that, you know, you, you'd rather concede goals that were avoidable in pre-season. So then you can analyse them, you can rectify them for, for competitive games um, than, than to concede three absolute worldies and then still have the a, a mini meltdown over something which is largely unavoidable. But um, yeah, I mean, Manuel Pellegrini is a manager who's won the Premier League. He's been around the block a few times. You know, he's he knows how to set up a team. Um, I'm sure that he and Marcelo Bielsa have probably come across each other before. Um, so yeah, it wasn't as though Leeds were going up against relative novices. Um, you know, they 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 were they they put out a decent team. Um, they had a really good uh, young player, Rodri, who was playing, and he was he was electric in the first few minutes. Um, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm not taking too much stock from that game. I think it's reflective of, yes, Le- I mean, say that was a, a game which was in actual competition in the Europa League, for example. 3-2 defeat against Betis. It's not exactly a bad result for a team who finished sixth in, in La Liga. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, as well, not enough people are talking about that goal that Leeds scored, the Bamford header. I thought it was a fantastic goal. What a team goal that was. Junior Firpo with his first assist as well. I know it's pre-season, but, you know, we can count it, can't we, Baron? Good to see Bamford get on the score sheet, isn't it? I think yeah. um, he'd obviously been missing up until that game and I think just psychologically that'll give him a little boost. I know it's uh, friendly and we're not we're not amping things up too much, either good or bad. But um, like you say, mate, it was, it was a very, very good goal. Friendly or not, it still requires the right movements the right weight of pass, the right decision-making from several people at the same time. And that's the kind of pattern of play that we've seen so often from Leeds, isn't it? And yeah, very encouraging to see Junior at the, at the heart of that and already to see see things like that clicking because that's the sort of thing that wasn't clicking against Blackburn. Um, so yeah, we, we'll see. I think that I'm sure they've got as much as they wanted to out of it. Of course, the two downsides, which some sort of joke and talk about were, were the injuries. Um, we can talk about how serious they were. I've not seen them myself, but... They were the only kind of. I know Melier's ch- chucked one in, um, but <laughs> aside from that, we've we've got what we needed to out of it, haven't we? Um, and yeah. yeah, I mean, I, until you said it, I didn't realise that Batista had finished as high as sixth. I mean, that's a proper team. They're going to be Europa League next season, unless I'm wrong. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, they finished ahead of Villarreal, who were the Europa League champions last season, who we will of course play in the final friendly. So just a bit more context for how good they're supposed to be and. I think Nabil Fakir was was very, very highly rated a year or two ago, wasn't he, Joe? I think I'm sure he was mentioned in the same breath as Liverpool. Yeah, I mean he was gonna there was the I mean the the leaked pictures uh in sort of air quotes where there was sort of uh he was kind of on the verge of signing for Liverpool and then um you know there was an issue with medical and whatnot. I mean, I was looking yesterday, he came on in the World Cup final, the most recent World <laughs> Cup final, you know. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if if you'd said at that time when you were watching the final and go Leeds will be playing him in three years, yeah. yeah, and and actually making him look Pascal Strauch will make him look pretty ordinary in a wrestling ma- wrestling match, um, <laughs> yeah. Because well, yeah. which is where it, the root of frustration was for when um when Strauch ended up getting his ankle absolutely tapped by uh, by Fekir. It was was that just Fekir losing it then? Like it's yeah. just, just, it just got under his skin for eighty minutes and thought, All right, I've had enough of this. I, but I just didn't get it. it. Just there was no context to it. Just and it was a proper kick out as well, and it was just like I think Strout just turned round to the ref and was like, "What was all that about?" And he, he he's visibly very frustrated, Strout, which you don't normally see from him because he's normally sort of like calm, cool, and collected. But he was visibly very annoyed at that, and and rightly so, JD. It was didn't make sense, did he? Just just volleyed him. He did, yeah, he did. So like, there's a, there's a drop in ball, so it's come from the it's either a clearance or the goalkeeper's kicked it up from uh, from the Betty's half and. It, they're, they're wrestling for it. They, they've got their arms around each other, and Strauch manages to hold Fekir off. He then gets the ball away, passes it, and as he do, and as he manages to get it away, there's yeah, there's been a bit of tussling. Uh, Fekir just lashes out. He just absolutely boots the the ankle of Strauch, and and then kind of gives a little bit of yeah, and you, you want some yeah, little little head nod, and it's like it's just a bit unnecessary in the 87th minute of a preseason friendly. It's the most inconsequential game in the world. Just just chill out a little bit. But yeah, Stroke went down, uh, was receiving treatment for about a minute. Fekir got a talking to because it's a friendly, obviously no one's, there's no need to send people off. I'd love, um, it. I'd love if you got a red card. I I would it it would have been fitting. It would have been fitting. Call, I was definitely so calling for a red, get him off. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and then sort of about a minute or so later. Um, <laughs> Sorry to cut you off, but you can imagine what Marcelo would have done. Marcelo would have pulled somebody off with me. <laughs> it's a friendly. No, no, it's a friendly. Come on, come on, Jamie, get off. Let's make it 10v10. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Joe. Injuries. 
<laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I completely lost my track there. I was imagining Marcelo Bielsa and this, getting winning another FIFA Fair Play award. Um, and going, in, yeah. going in central midfield for Betis. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Stroke then kind of went down about a minute and a bit later uh, in in Leeds uh, penalty area and was, you know, it, I don't think it was a signaling to come off. It was a, I'm actually feeling the effects of that now. There's two minutes to play. There's not really any, any point in me risking it. So I'll come off. He then... Um, Obviously, he was strapped up, put, put a little ice pack on it. He was doing a little bit of a limp as he walked back to the uh, the changing rooms. But um, I imagine it's more of an impact thing rather than anything too serious. Uh, otherwise, they would have went and assessed him straight away. But yeah, uh, that was that was probably the, the one that I had least concern about because obviously Diego Llorente went off in the first half. Um, probably precautionary because, again, it's a pre-season friendly. There's no point saying, mm, do you think he can continue? Uh, so he was hooked straight away after about 24 minutes when he went down. Uh, Connor, you were saying it, you, it looked like a bit of a hyperextension because I, from my my line of sight, was a little bit blocked by the the physios, so I couldn't actually see what was being treated. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of came about after the, the second Betty goal, so wasn't exactly focusing on whether Diego had pulled up or not. So was it? Is that what it looked like? Was a hyperextension? Yeah, Connor Rob Price McGilligan. That's my diagnosis. Um, it, it was. It, it did look sort of yeah, uh, very much of that blueprint. And he was he was twinging as well. Yeah, every time he sort of, as I was just saying, extended his leg. So who knows? But it, it did look a little bit more serious than than Pascal's definitely. And we're just talking off air, weren't we? And it, and it just it just seems these injury patterns seem to follow us around a little bit better and it is it's it's very frustrating isn't it and 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 with everything that's gone on at this moment in time it's yeah I mean hopefully Le- Leeds going into Manchester United aren't going to be two of our top centre-backs down yeah it's 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 unfortunate that Marcelo doesn't do um, press conferences during pre-season because I think that would probably settle a few nerves I mean I'm sure he could tell us quite quickly what the issue is with with Liam Cooper who is um I can't think of what the phrase is um Notable by his absence. There's there's another one, but notable by his absence is what I mean. Um, and and yes, I'm stroking your end. I'm sure Marcelo, if not straight after the game, um, then maybe before the Ajax game, could have just clarified for us what the situation is. But unfortunately, we remain in the dark on that, so we'll have to just cross our fingers. Um, but at least they both think they're off on stretchers. I mean, that's the one thing. <laughs> um, and as mo- most people would have seen by now, Cooper was involved in a, a charity golf day on Sunday, so. Yeah, obviously, I'm not. I'm not trying to re- compare walking around a golf course with with playing 90 minutes under Marcelo Bielsa, but you know what I mean. He's not. He's not yeah. in a cast. He's not. He's not on a hospital bed somewhere. He's not in isolation with COVID. So um, we can read and start what we will. Uh, we have got. Oh, it's less than two weeks now, is it? It's 11 days from today, which is just crazy. So a week on Saturday is. Yeah, a week on Saturday, it's going to be Man United at Old Trafford. So. So, yeah, time is is rattling through. I think we'll obviously learn a lot more from the, the final two friendlies, both in terms of the opposition and in terms of the, the selection that Marcelo goes goes into. I'm sure we can either go on to this now or at a later point in the podcast. But um, Calvin, we certainly need to see Calvin. I think if we don't see him against Ajax, we'll certainly see him against Villarreal. Um, we've got no reason to believe that he's got any issue because, of course, he did return so late. He's a long way behind everybody else in terms of pre-season. And we know that Marcelo was a stickler for preparation. So... Um, I wouldn't have thought there was any issue there. But yeah, I mean, if you are looking worst case and you're thinking Cooper, Stroy, Canyarente out, then it's going to be Aileg and Cock, isn't it? And um, I suppose Shackleton might be the big winner 
right back. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be too averse to seeing Jamie Shackleton uh, at right back for, for that first game. He's been quite good in preseason, hasn't he? I, I picked yeah. him out as sort of the a man of the match contend, contender against Betis um, because um, he, he was great. He, he linked up really well with Rafinha down the right. Um, he was constantly going past Rafinha, overlapping. Uh, and there were quite a few one-on-ones where Shackleton was the, the last man back when Betis pumped it forward and he kind of had to either control it and beat a man and either with a pass or a dribble or, you know, go one-on-one with with one of the Betis forwards. Uh, and he held his own really well. I, I don't recall any instance where he was beaten, um, sort of mus- out-muscled, which, you know, for, for a player of his stature, you think, oh, OK, perhaps that might be easier than against others. Um, yeah, I was impressed with him. I thought that was, it was a good, um, he gave a good account of himself because, you know, there's there's obviously been the question mark over, you know, where are his minutes going to come this season? Um, and he's in those two preseason games. I think he's staked to claim for for being, you know, the the deputy to Ailing if they need to to you know move Ailing across to centre half at any point. If if you are to choose a midfield, Baron. You know, if we're playing the four-one-four-one system, obviously yeah. the wide the wide options sort of pick themselves, don't they? And let's say we've got KP in the defensive role, Dallas in that central midfield role. Who's the next central midfielder, in your opinion? In your opinion, I'll come to JD next. But is is it just as sort of you know straight up the line as as Rodrigo? Is yeah. Rodrigo that next man next to Dallas? In, in your opinion, absolutely, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. There's no way Rodrigo should be on the bench. No way. So yeah, because I was I was thinking obviously there's there's the conversation right now. Obviously Dallas, if he is that mainstay in the midfield, then you've got Click, Roberts, and Rodrigo sort of as as three options in there, haven't you, JD? I mean, is, are you sort of in alignment with Baron there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw what Rodrigo was capable of towards the end of last season when he finally got a run in the team. Um, if he's able to to replicate that over any portion of the season this year, then, you know, he, he I mean, he picks himself then, doesn't he? You know, four goals in four games or five games or whatever it was towards the end. Um, some of his movement in that Burnley game towards the end of the season was fantastic. Um, and, you know, he's against Betis, he, he covered one hell of a lot of yards you know, there was, there was, he was constantly 60, 70, 80 minutes. He was absolutely hairing around the pitch. You know, he was, he was, he was doing the pressing from the front, you know, when, when Tyler Roberts maybe slacked off a little bit, Rodrigo was filling in and, and vice versa. Um, I think his, his creative numbers last season as well, um, while they weren't obviously consistent in terms of the amount of games he played, his creative numbers over the course of the season were very high constantly. So if you've got him and Rafinha in the team, I think you're always gonna you're always gonna find goals. You're always gonna score goals. So, yeah, it's Rodrigo for me. And as always, throughout this period of the transfer window, rumours are rife with Leeds United. The rumour mill is well, it's it's. I mean, Leeds are linked with absolutely everybody at this moment in time. Lewis O'Brien, probably the standout. And you know, where does that is that link solidified? It's probably by the fact that Marcelo Bielsa was at Hillsborough at the weekend, and I can't imagine he was what he was there to just. You know, watch the entertainment of a Carabao Cup tie between Sheffield Wednesday and Huddersfield Town, or or do you think he, he would have been there, JD? You know, he is a an, an obsessor of football. Well, actually, he did say, didn't he, that he liked to maybe go and sample a few games before, obviously, the the lockdown came in. So, you know, who's to say that he he wasn't just there for a little bit of um, what was it, a Saturday or a Sunday? A little bit of weekend. It was Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, a little yeah, bit of Huddersfield, weekend. Huddersfield beat them on penalties as well. A lot of entertainment. 
bit of drama. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure he well, was Why is the Carabao after. Cup at weekends now? I don't understand. Have I right, I didn't know this. I didn't know this either. I thought it was a friendly until you've just said that. I thought it was a yep. friendly. I did. I thought yeah, it was there, was. there was another game that was played uh, in that round. It must be to do with fixture scheduling. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, midweek. Come on. Yeah, I mean Carabao Cup is 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 it's a midweek sort of thing, isn't it? I think, and that's yeah. I mean, I guess it is a little bit. It's uh, all about those trips that you can't be asked to make on a Wednesday night. <laughs> that's, that's what the Carabao Cup is. Do we do we, do we go? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like um, Fleetwood. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. Let's start. We haven't talked about Fleetwood if we're going to, but what a what a what a long trip that is. I mean Fleetwood. <laughs> Oh my word! You get you basically do the Blackburn trip, and then you've got another hour. It's that that last little bit. Oh my word! It just goes on forever, and you're on a single track road in and out of the northwest. Horrendous. Yeah. yeah. At yeah. least it was a great game, and Leeds won. <laughs> <laughs> I still think Norwich away beats any arduous away trip. That's that's got. Well, you talk to a man who used to cover Plymouth, mate, and literally the, the shortest away trip was two hours to Bristol. <laughs> that's arduous. Five hours yeah. to Bradford. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're Baron, we're not getting off transfer window duties here. We're, we're going to have to bring you back to Lewis O'Brien, mate. I know, I know, we've got to, we've got to speak about it. But he's he's been linked to Leeds United. There's been a reported like, you know, ten million pound valuation put on his head by Huddersfield Town. Carlos Corbrand yesterday come out and said that they do not want to sell. Have you got any updates, Baron? Seems like a lot of money, doesn't it, Lewis yeah. O'Brien? Ten million pounds—that does seem a little bit excessive. That sounds like a club that uh, wants to drive a hard bargain and want to uh, want to play the game a little bit. Um, yeah, it, at face value, it doesn't seem to tick as many boxes as say Gallagher did. When you're looking at the sort of the quality of player that Leeds United want to bring in to push them up towards the top of the Premier League, Lewis O'Brien doesn't kind of jump out with somebody that you immediately think, yeah he's going to come in and do a job in the Premier League without a shadow of a doubt, at least with Gallagher, who's had that season with West Brom. And I think it's just sort of on paper, the fact that he was coming from Chelsea makes you, you know, sort of put this sort of level on Gallagher that you might not necessarily put on the Huddersfield Town midfielder. However, by all accounts, he's he's doing really, really well there. And I think he, as a player, I think people are saying that he's an incredibly hardworking, industrious midfielder, tireless which which does seem to fit the Bielsa mould. Uh, I've not seen much of him myself, so I can't really comment too much on him as a footballer. From what other people have, have, have said of him, in theory, he seems like a, a blank canvas or one of these players that, that Bielsa could bring in and do a job with. Um, it remains to be seen whether Leeds do pursue him, whether they do go in for him. I think that it's a name that's that's come up two or three times this summer and has gone quiet and then came back with a vengeance on Sunday morning. Um ironically or quite conveniently one day or two after the Conor Gallagher stuff had been resolved. So we'll have to see whether it solidifies and whether Leeds do swoop for him. Um, But as I say, I checked maybe two or three weeks ago when his name kind of came up for the second time. And on two separate occasions, I've been told that there's, there's nothing in it. Um, I don't know whether this latest push is accurate or not. So I, I can't really embellish too much on, on what the latest may be in terms of as of the last 24, 48 hours. But I know that earlier in the summer, I was told that it was it was a lot of speculation and not much in it at all in terms of O'Brien hadn't been contacted or anything like that. So um, we've still got you know, the best part of four weeks of this transfer window to go. So we will um, we'll have to wait and see what they do with it. But um, on balance, 10 million sounds like a lot of money. And O'Brien doesn't immediately jump out as somebody that you think would would take Leeds forward. But 
you, know, you don't argue with with Bielsa or Orta if, if it's somebody that they do like. I'm just thinking, when was the last time a player went for ten million pounds from the bottom half of the championship? And yeah. it's it's very rare. And then you've got to think about how this is a COVID affected marketplace. Why that might be forcing some teams in the championship to drive a harder bargain because they obviously haven't had fans for eighteen months. So, the, yeah, I think. We can get tied up on valuations all day. I mean, obviously, what Barron's just said there—he's been told on certain different occasions that you know, obviously, there's not been any contact. But I mean, yeah, it, it, it is getting to that last four weeks, and you know that transfer business does tend to get a little bit more fraught uh, with the clubs who are who are less well prepared than Leeds. I think it's fair to say, uh, which is why deadline day is the quote unquote spectacle that it is. Um, it's just a, a melee of clubs going. We've got these gaps to fill who's got bodies that will go in these gaps so um yeah i um I, yeah I, I think it, it's it's one of those where if the club were were to pursue it it's it's clearly one which they think is is a player who's moldable but yeah at, at face value i think the valuation and the 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 external factors of why huddersfield, huddersfield might be holding out for such a fee are probably ones which make me question it I think this is this is true with a lot of the market, isn't it? At the moment, is that I think I've been told by a few different people in the industry that that we're in the classic situation of selling clubs are putting too high a price and buying clubs don't want to pay that much, and it's it's quite a quite a slow market at the moment. So, like I say, there's ten million pounds just looks crazy, doesn't it, for the for somebody of that age and of that experience in a, in a team that, that that struggled in the championship last season, especially when you're getting Furpo for thirteen. It is, uh, it is a, bit, it's a bit of a nuts transfer, really, isn't it? But what did you make of the uh, Matthias Pereira social media post yesterday? It was uh, that was a little bit crazy, wasn't it? I don't, I don't know if I agreed with it or not. Just in terms of professionalism, where did you, where did you stand on it, JD? I, I actually wasn't too against it, to be honest, because I think the the comments that Valerian Ismail said, uh, obviously he's come in as the new coach at West Brom. Uh, it's been made clear to him from the first day he's walked in the door that Mateus Pereira is a potentially 25, 30 million pound player. If we can get 30 million for him from someone, then he's a player who's not going to be in your plans for next season. So, you know, plan for this year, this coming year without him. Um, I think for any any player's manager to suggest, and the words were not committed. Um, you, I think he said he's not committed to us. For, for him to suggest that, I think that gives Pereira every right to then come out and say, actually, hold on, going to defend myself here. I could have kicked up a fuss. I could have refused to train, like one other transfer saga that we've seen in the last few days. Um, but no, he's, he's, he said he's come in. He's he's not been involved in the preseason squads, but that's the manager's decision. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really have an issue with them. Um, with how Pereira handled that, obviously it's it's a West Brom player. It's not someone who's who's, as far as we know, had any contact with Leeds. Um, but yeah, purely from a oh that would be quite nice perspective. I think you know he's he's. I mean, you look at he was the the the, the beating heart of of West Brom last season. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because he did mention that he had a, a very lucrative offer from Saudi Arabia that was turned down um, from uh, from West Brom because the the fee was quote derisory apparently um so it'll be interesting to see where he ends up but i very very much doubt he'll be at the hawthorns in four weeks time yep so we'll move uh briefly on to fixtures Leeds united obviously play ajax and villa real this week baron are you gutted that you're not going to be going out to uh the netherlands and spain this week it'd have been a nice little little trip for you wouldn't it 
Yeah, Amsterdam's lovely. Um, went there a couple of years ago and, and really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. And it would have been a nice little trip, wouldn't it? Just to signal the end of lockdown. But um, I've not, I've, I mean, I've lost track of the, the changes the government have made with isolation. But as I understand, I still think I'd have to isolate for 10 days, wouldn't I, if I came back from there? And um, when we're less than a week away for it, or it'd be, yeah, I mean, I think 10 days would be the United game. And I'm not going to miss that for the sake of Ajax. So, um, yeah, it's a shame, but you know, thankfully, Andrea's illustrious Live Now service will keep us all informed and, and up to date with a, a stellar feed. Um, and Villarreal, I, I'm not too sure if that'll be in Spain, you know. Um, talked mm. about this on, it might have been the Facebook Live or something the other day, but um, they're playing in Belfast on the 11th against Chelsea in the European Super Cup. So, um, again, I mean, let's not get into the Northern Ireland debate, but I'm not too sure um, how things are working in terms of isolation from here and there. But, um, it's interesting that they haven't advertised where it is. Clearly, that's to discourage fans because we all know that Leeds fans are so passionate they will go wherever they can, even if it is behind closed doors and and there's no access. So I think that's clearly a tactic they're employing. So I wouldn't actually rule out that being in the UK, um, especially with that being one week from uh, from the Manchester United game. So um, they may well fly back from from the Holland and play somewhere. I think Loughborough University might be a bit on the nose. Do you think there might be a few a few Leeds fans down there that might just rock up on the off chance that's where it's going to be? Um, the, the trouble is, I mean, this is I don't know why I've not thought of this, but it's going to be on it's going to be on camera, isn't it? So it's going to be on live now, so people are going to see where it is. And if they are near enough, they'll just drive there, won't they? So um, I wonder, I wonder where it'll be. For the record, uh, on Saturday, there was a big hill overlooking the Loughborough University Stadium. Uh, there were quite a few people before kickoff congregated on on top of this hill. Uh, and I was thinking, didn't know Loughborough had such a big uh, big Leeds United following, but I presume they might have been supporters who had come down, didn't have tickets, yeah. and were just kind of perched on top of a hill. To be honest, not a bad view. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was high enough and it was close enough. So, yeah. What are your expectations for these two games? I mean, I guess mine are to see... Cooper and Calvin. Um, I mean, that's the bare minimum, really, I think. Two decent performances. But, you know, there's been a lot of reaction online. Do you think it's um, a necessity that Leeds pick up at least one win, JD? Uh, again, not really, no. I mean, you look at the, the calibre of opposition. Ajax are Dutch champions. They play in the Champions League. Villarreal will be playing in the Champions League. They won the Europa League. You know, this... Again, this is against a team who have, you know, there's still very much the championship regulars in there. Your Dallas's, your Ailings, your hopefully Coopers um, against, yeah, I, I don't have expectations of wins. I don't have expectations of anything really because they're preseason games. Purely and simply, they're there to get as many players on the pitch for however long is necessary that Biasa deems and his fitness coaches, Benoit Delaval, they, how, how, how long they deem it necessary for this certain players to be on the pitch so that their workload is, 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 is teetering along nicely so that they get to the Man United game and, and they're ready to, to play a part, whether that's explosive from the bench or, or all the way from the beginning. So, yeah, I think it's a good test in terms of the quality of opposition. Um, it's not as though, you know, playing, uh, you know, guysly level of opponents uh, throughout the entirety of preseason, and then coming to play Man United and being, oh, we didn't really prepare very well by doing that, did we? Um, it's yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, I've not really got any expectations of wins. And that is going to be your lot for this week, guys. Thank you so much again for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We're seeing a lot of love for the podcast. 
especially in the amount of downloads we're getting. So thank you so, so much once again. If you'd like to check out more Leeds United content, you can find it on our website and, of course, our social media. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating on all of your favourite podcast providers. And, guys, we'll see you next week. Cheers.